this is Opinionated, and this is another show from the podcast network of Coindesk, and I'm Ben Schiller from Coindesk, and I'm joined here by Danny Nelson. Hi, Danny Nelson. Not just a show, not just another show, it is the show. No, it is the, the show, show on shows. the network, it's, it's true, it's true, yes. it's true. We are and, the uh, best, we very s- highly rated, most excellent and opinionated It's show very opinionated, excellent, opinionated. and highly rated. You are right, Danny Nelson, as ever. It's tremendous. And you have a very special guest for us today. Do you want to tell us about They've that? They've never seen ratings like it. It's, it's amazing. But yes, I do have a special guest for us. We have Anatoly Yakovenko, the co-founder of the Solana Network and a self-styled crypto phone visionary embarking upon the latest, greatest TBD attempt to bring mobile to crypto. And he had a pretty big announcement last month in New York, and that's that Solana is going to have its own mobile phone, going to be joined by basically a complete operating system that optimizes crypto applications for mobile. I look upon this idea and think, look, I'm an iPhone user. I'm not going to give up my iPhone, and I definitely don't want some weird Android whatever to replace my iPhone. So this is of no use to me. But I also get the idea that's at its core that crypto needs to optimize for mobile. And so this week, I want to hear from you, Anatoly. Why you think that phone is the way forward for crypto? Is this really just stage one of a grander plot? Is this the final product? What's your vision for the mobile use case for crypto? Oh, thank you for having me, guys. So yeah, I'm really excited about both the product, the device, and the grand vision. I can kind of talk to you about the grand vision first. So I spent most of my career at Qualcomm. I've been around phones like basically as an engineer my entire career. I was there from like these two megabyte flip phone days to working on augmented reality and like it's effectively supercomputer in your hand. And the technology to do secure signing and enable like all of these crypto functionality, it existed eight years back, like 10 years back even. And these are very, very kind of standard pieces. There's a component called the secure element on every modern phone that's shipped. And there's effectively Qualcomm, we call a trust zone, but there's a secure execution environment. And every chip that runs the operating systems, either iOS or Android, sometimes it's called the trusted execution environment or things like that. And in that environment, you can run code that the high level operating system like Android cannot touch. It can't see the memory there. It can't actually modify that code or mess with it. And those two pieces combined basically make the device as secure as a hardware wallet. Now, there's a lot of like the attack surface is bigger and there's a bunch of other nuances there and you probably, you shouldn't use your phone as the same, you know, cold storage device that you maybe use for like the super important assets. But all the hardware pieces are there and all these pieces, if they're used, allow developers to implement applications that are kind of currently occupied by both Google and Apple. Like, why can't Phantom be the payments app? right? Like why can't, when I go to a cafe, Phantom comes up in a nice UX slider, I tap the fingerprint scanner, it pays for my coffee with my favorite token. Behind the scenes, all of the financial magic happens. All that stuff is possible. It's just not happening at the pace that I'd like. (laughs) And and like the two technologies, right? Like there's the SMS, the Solana mobile stack, which is a bunch of software to kind of just enable this. It's not a lot of people that are building this, like five engineers. So it's not something that prohibitive for either Google or Apple to enable. And there's flagship hardware device, which I'm also excited about because it's an awesome Android device. 
there needs to be one of these things to kind of carry the flag. And, that, and that's the one that's going to do it. So from a user standpoint, when I currently use Phantom on my iPhone, for example, it's a process of every time I use it, I, I more or less have to log in. It's kind of annoying to do it. It makes it more secure, yeah. but you know, it's just how it is. Is there going to be a functional difference with having that basically yeah. ingrained into the device, all these permissions? So not only that, that you have to log in to every application that you talk to will pick like 50 wallets that you have to pick and you select your favorite one and you do that every time you sign. So if the seed phrase and all that like BIP39, like the really, really hard security stuff is handled below the operating system, then wallets and things like that can basically be known to the OS as trustworthy applications. And similarly to the applications themselves, they don't need to ask the user, oh, what wallet should you use right now? There's a wallet that's set as a default, like the browser on your device, and it automatically is just enabled the public key that it needs. You don't even need a login UX, right? Like it already knows what the public key you want to use for that particular application. And all of that like kind of crufty, weird UX that we're all used to as crypto nerds goes away. And now you have Web3 apps that never steal your user information. They don't even take your password, right? They don't take your username and password because nobody builds Web3 apps like they do Web2 apps. They just log in, figure out what public key you want to use, pull in whatever assets are associated with that, and they're good to go. And that experience, I think... Once people get used to it, they'll realize that it's better than Web2. It's privacy-focused from the ground up, and it enables cooler and more interesting applications that you can ever build in the, the normal environment. That, to me, I think is what could drive adoption of crypto, but obviously adoption of mobile and really perforate these technologies. I would love to see Google and be like, okay, Solana's making too big of a noise. We're just going to implement it and crush them. That would be a win. <laughs> Yeah, so Anatoly, thanks for coming on again. You know, the mobile handset market is extremely competitive. There are a lot of big companies out there, Samsung, Apple, lots and lots of others. And we have seen some so-called blockchain phones before in the last sort of hype cycle of 2018. There was the Siren Labs phone from Israel, which died a ugly death. And I think this time around, there's another phone from Polygon and HTC, I think, has a play in this space. You're obviously a very experienced engineer and you come from a, a good project, but how can you really break into this market? Isn't it, isn't it just sort of a very hard market to break into? And aren't there a lot of kind of risks about getting involved in that market? So our thesis is really developer-focused. Like if we can get 50,000 active Web3 mobile users and in that environment, there's an app store that is Web3 friendly, right? It doesn't have 30% fees on user-generated NFTs. That's a better distribution channel for devs than the big app stores are today with all their restrictions. And if that's true, then devs will ship awesome apps. Those awesome apps attract more users. And this is the flywheel that kind of grows mobile and really starts to disrupt how these big app stores trying to monetize Web3 content. So that's really the thesis. Like I worked on Amazon Fire, the Windows Metro phone, the WebOS devices, if you remember those. Like all that stuff failed because those were all plays to build a mass market device from the start and try to try to compete with Apple and Google. And reality is that like crypto is just not ready for that yet. Total number of humans that sign transactions like on a monthly basis is maybe around 10 million. 
Like that's kind of our estimate at a gut level. I think that's probably your estimate too. That's too small of a market for like Apple and Google to be like, okay, we need native cryptographic signing. We need all the stuff that they need to deliver to a billions of users. But that's a big enough for us. So I think that's basically our thesis here. How do the economics of phone development and launch work? Like there's the device that is going to be used here. It's the OSEM, OSAM, or the company? Awesome. Awesome. It's so awesome. It's, <laughs> um, that was terrible. You should leave now. Regardless of you needing to leave now, it is a device that is now completely gung-ho about this one idea. I don't exactly know how what the supply chain is for a phone. I do know that the price point for this device is going to be around $1,000, which is you know more or less within the ballpark of where smartphones are these days. Is this going to be a profitable endeavor? Does it not yeah. matter if it's going to be it profitable? Is. It always matters. So like, I think to build anything sustainable, it has to be profitable. So it is profitable at that price point. And for a lot of the reasons why that is, is because things have matured in both phone making, logistics, electronics, to the point that we only need five engineers to build the software features we want. And Awesome is like a 40-person company. It's not a 500-person company. So we've come to a point in both logistics, supply chain, and like the bomb and, and like how to build these devices that it's doable to build this with a very small team. That hasn't been true, I think, up until maybe like two years ago. Like the market just matured tremendously. So to me, like also part why this opportunity exists right now, it's just easy to do this. Your strategy is to bring in the developers to develop applications and the Solana mobile stack. Talk about how you're hoping to do that. You have an incentive program as a development program? Yeah, so working with the foundation, they've built out a 10 million total grant like uh, structure for developers to apply and build mobile applications. So it's about 10 million worth of grants that is available to devs right now. But there's also the hackathon. So we've seen teams that are entering these hackathons get funding even before the hackathon is over, simply from so many investors in the space looking to fund C-level startups. Despite even the market downturn, or this hackathon in like seven days had passed in total registrations than all of, than our previous record one in, in total, right? So Riptide had seven thousand registrations total. Summer Camp seven thousand registrations in seven days. So we're seeing the market downturn seems like a very macro thing, and the enthusiasm for builders and like people that are looking to start the next big tech companies. It's all going into crypto. Really smart That's folks. That's the big right? quote right there. Yeah. Yeah. Season of the builders. People are literally leaving Facebook, Google, those big cushy jobs with coconut water everywhere <laughs> <laughs> to start companies right in crypto. And I think it's just very different than 2018, 2019. In crypto, you don't need coconut water. You need sparkling grapefruit water. Yeah. There we go. Great shot of the sparkling grapefruit water right there. It's good <laughs> stuff. I've had it before. Um, you should get a sponsorship deal with them or something. So how long has the phone idea been, for Solana specifically, been percolating in your mind? Like, is this an idea that when you co-founded the network a couple of years ago, this was in the cards even then, and it was just a matter of getting to this point? Or was it more right place, right time, let's make it happen? The first time I actually started thinking about mobile was when... Libra came to market. And I just thought that finally there's a big enough project that could convince Google, Android, 
and like probably maybe Apple even and Qualcomm to all kind of put their shoulder behind it and move it forward. Mm -hmm. Um, but obviously that's not how that panned out. And (laughs) (laughs) yeah, a little bit, a little different (laughs) there. Yeah. Yep. That idea of like, I think the mobile device, as soon as started working with crypto and I played around with MetaMask, I was just like, why? Like, I know all the tech is already there. I was literally a Qualcomm. The trust zone team was like next door to mine. You could do all of this stuff really, really well with really slick UX, but we just don't have support. So it's always been there. And around Breakpoint is when I was talking to a lot of devs building on Solana and one of their biggest bottlenecks was how do we do mobile? Like business model for NFTs just don't work with mobile app stores. You have user-generated content, digital content that's not owned by the app, right? Magic Eaton doesn't own their content. An artist generated it. And there's a free market for that content because it's really truly owned. It's not like when you buy a movie on Amazon, buy to own. You don't really own that movie. (laughs) You don't own anything, right? It's just a a rental with, with no expiration date. But NFTs you actually own, and mad, those prices are set by free market. And there's no way Magic Eden could add 20% to a $10,000 NFT because the user is not going to cover that, and neither is Magic Eden. So just business model doesn't work with the way the app stores are designed. I don't know what it's going to take to change that. Probably like something like us has to succeed. Something like Saga has to succeed. And those folks, VPs, will start being threatened and somebody will make like a career bet to actually push those changes through. So with this phone, users are going to be able to self-custody their crypto. I mean, is this kind of a bet on self-custody versus, you know, storing your crypto on Coinbase or whatever? You can't really use crypto without self-custody. Like, I don't, I don't really care about, like, the trading custodians. That, that use case is just for people to hodl. Who cares? <laughs> like, they don't matter. They don't <laughs> they matter, do matter to you or they don't matter they, to the they're, la- they're lagging indicators. They're, they come after somebody's proven product market fit and actually gets people to use stuff. Like, they're basically following. And... None of these use cases or applications are built for them, right? They're built for self-custody first. So I just don't see how like that world survives in the long term. I think even like the Coinbase wallet is a self-custody wallet. So all these folks are not thinking about how do we subvert crypto or how do we build applications that are build our moat around custody. They're trying to build great UX and trying to figure out how do we actually enable self-custody where it makes sense. It's just really, really hard, right? We're asking people to understand cryptography. And that's, I think, as hard of a challenge as getting people to understand how to use a keyboard, you know, that first transition, right? Or how to use a mouse, that was a transition. Or clicking on a link took you to a different website. Nobody had that mental model when the web just came out. And all those learnings took, I think, human timeframes. And I think now we're going through another stage of trying to get people to understand private public key cryptography. That's, that's really, really hard. <laughs> Is the phone going to be ready for demos by the time of Breakpoint, I guess, in early November? Yeah, so I think we should have the first 4,000. These are pre-FTC cert devices that are like available for devs to start building. And so those will ship to devs before then? Yep. And then early 23, all things like crossing my fingers that we should have the device available to the public. Just don't make it the James Webb Space Telescope. Then you'll have to wait maybe a decade or more. No. No, it's like once you have the device in your hand, it's basically done. Like it's all kind of downhill now. 
some software stuff. There's optimizations around like the building the device and things and the cert. These processes have known timelines. We're effectively over the hill. Is this phone just designed for crypto or can I do just normal phone things with it? I mean, can I look at my Instagram account and all that Yeah, this is an awesome fully Google services enabled device, an awesome Android device. So all the Google apps, the Google Play Store, all that stuff is there. The crypto thing is separate web store and these three components that you need an OEM to integrate. So you need to do any modifications to the trusted element, you do need OEM support. You know, like Samsung has shipped its own app store and there's been lots of these experimentations in Android. Is this technologically something that could be done right now with the iPhone or is it just because it's so much of a walled garden, it really wouldn't be possible? The hardware that Apple uses definitely supports all these features. So it already has a secure element and it has a trusted environment to do computations. But it does not support things like BIP39 recovery and all these other things that you need, nor a trusted display when you sign. For us to really enable arbitrary devs, like anybody, untrusted devs, to build applications that handle your payments, we need a way for that trust zone piece to display to the user in such that no app can fake it, right? Mm -hmm. Like you need, you need to bring up a trusted display to the user that says, this is actually the wallet requested that you sign this. So tap your fingerprint scanner or whatever, right? And approve this signature. And then we need to make that so secure that you can't accidentally download an app that fakes that. <laughs> mm -hmm. And you need basically support from the trust zone and all that hardware exists on every modern phone but you need the OEM to implement those. And is this a Solana phone or is this a crypto phone? And I could explain what I mean by that if you... Yeah, so SMS is open source. If there is like Ethereum diehards or whatever diehards of any other chain, Bitcoin diehards, we'll definitely take patches and enable those networks. It would have been just disingenuous for us to try to integrate Ethereum because we're not experts in it. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you're open to any other project in yeah. crypto being on the phone? Yeah, for sure. I'm an open source maxi first. Okay. So, but within that open source maxi, I mean, we're talking about people using wallets, right? And then Phantom is not open source. So like, how does that fit into all this? Because it is such a prevalent piece of the Solana ecosystem. And yet it is, for whatever reason, not an open source project. For the device, right? Like in that HLOS, we can make the signing experience secure that you don't need to trust your wallet because there's mm -hmm. no way for, for them to ever steal your seed phrase. And there's no way for them to ever fake the signing experience. And that means you enable like more devs to do whatever it is they want, more business models. I wish everything was open source, but it's obviously I don't control Phantom. I still want to enable them to do whatever it is that they want to do. And sorry, what are your kind of expectations in terms of sales and sort of user acceptance for the device? Do you have any projections going into 2023? Yeah, so our goal, like 25 to 50,000 Web3 active users is a better distribution channel than the big app stores for Web3 devs. Like we're at that state of Web3 adoption. And that's really our kind of target. I worked on all the phones that fail, like I mentioned, Amazon Fire, Windows Metro, all those things. They really try to get consumer device to as many people at once as you can. And that's not going to work for crypto because we're just so early in the crypto adoption cycle. There's just not that many people that understand how to deal with seed phrases. BIP39 is still like very confusing to most crypto users even. 
to us, like a smaller market that's really like a Web3 super fans that really love this device is, is a better place to iterate and build it out. Given this is an open source project and it belongs to humanity rather than necessarily to a few people, I mean, if Apple comes along in a couple of years and says, you know, this is a great product, we want to integrate it into the iPhone ecosystem, would you be willing to do that at that stage? I mean, oh, yeah, totally. That'd be amazing. Yeah, for sure. I think it's going to take a seismic shift within those companies, how they think about crypto for that to happen. So if we can be that first domino that makes them think about it, I think that's a win for the entire space. That's very public minded of you. I think the only way that really happens is if we succeed commercially and then they feel threatened. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, so like, yeah, that outcome also ends up being a good outcome for everyone. Cool. Well, it's looking to be an exciting time. I mean, I'm looking forward to trying out this phone on a day-to-day basis. I don't see a world where so, I'm dropping my uh, iPhone for so this. This is the first time I've, I have seen tweets of people say that they're switching from, for the first time, they're switching from iOS to Android. And I've seen a bunch of tweets of people saying, you know, this is going to be my crypto phone, so I'm going to have it as a secondary device. And I think in the history of Android, this is the first time that's ever happened. <laughs> you know what, you're right. You're on that, I have to, I'll have to give it to you there. Like this thing, I'm not going to lose it because the Android device, I can't take calls on my laptop. All right, game over, not switching. But maybe if I can, you know, buy some dumb NFT a little easier, that might actually be a strong use case to have a work phone. <laughs> Because it is a little cumbersome, especially with MetaMask. I mean, Phantom's pretty easy to use, but MetaMask is pretty dreadful, quite honestly. So the notion of having an open source software that lets one do this more seamlessly is compelling. I guess it's just, we'll have to see what happens in practice. For sure. Cool. I think that's a good place to end it. Thank you again for joining us. Can I plug where people should go to pre-order this? Are we talking about New York in a couple days or... Well, we have to wait. Go to SolanaMobile.com and oh, okay. pre-order the device. <laughs> you have to well, put down a deposit, right? Speaking yeah. of, just for Anatoly, I think you know where I'm going with this, with the Solana spaces that's set to debut rather soon in New York City, is this going to be a space where, yeah. like an, an Apple Store type environment where people can come and interact with the, yeah. with the OS? Yep. This is also like a weird, this was an opportunity for us. We met somebody that was just like, why don't we do this? And it was a, uh, why not? <laughs> like the, it, it didn't seem very expensive, but it's also like every time I feel like we step out from the crypto bubble towards the real world. There's just so many ways we could fall flat and fail. And this is one of those that I'm like, okay, we can definitely fall on our face here. But I feel like somebody has to try, right? Like somebody has to talk to normal people about crypto and show them what it is and like try to get them into the space. So this is one of those attempts. And a note for the listeners, we're talking here about a Solana in-person store slash experience that will be debuting in the US rather soon if it hasn't already by the time you hear this. And that's going to be an opportunity for people to interact in person, IRL, imagine that, with crypto, which is a radically different experience from just logging on to a browser and seeing what's what. Where's that going to be? Yeah, in New York. Gonna, I think yeah. the New York, LA, and a couple other places. Uh, Sounds like fun. Cool. Great. Well, thank you again for joining us. Check out the website if you want to pre-order a phone. I don't think that, unless you're a developer, you might not be able to, but no, you can, everyone can pre-order right now. So oh, okay. just go to solanamobile.com, hit the pre-order button. But you do need Phantom or a wallet that has Solana USDC on it. Well, thank you. All right, thank you. So Danny, that was a great guest you brought on. Thanks very much. Fascinating project. What do you think about this phone? Are you going to be buying one of these? 
Well, you know, I certainly will acquire one because I'm very curious. And I think that it's a very important attempt at bringing crypto to a different platform. I was saying earlier, I think this is a great idea and a terrible idea at the same time. Like, I don't see a world where we're all dropping our iPhones for a Solana phone, for a Polygon phone, for any crypto phone. I don't see it. But I also think that's not really the point. The point is to have a proof of concept for let's get crypto on mobile more seamlessly and see what happens and let people develop primarily for that platform. And I think that's actually a really strong idea, right? So we have a genius and stupidity at the same time. I'm being a little bombastic on both fronts. But I am excited to try it out because the idea of not having to sign in every time to a wallet on mobile, you know, anyone who's used MetaMask once on a phone knows it's rather terrible of an experience. And anyone who's used Phantom on a phone knows it's, it's not actually quite as terrible, but it's no fun either. And if your phone is the device, the place that is storing the keys, the place where everything, all that secret sauce that makes cryptography work for tokens and such happen then there's a lot of potential just to make it really, really seamless and to actually have, honestly, a more seamless usability experience than you'd even find on a browser, which is kind of weird. So I am excited for it and I will get one, but I'm not giving up my iPhone for it. I don't know. What's your stance? I think this is good kind of advertising. It's good kind of placement for crypto within the so-called real world. And I think the fact that they're going to these uh, real world The so-called real world. Well, I just don't know what the distinction these days is between the world of online and the world of real life, because it seems to be so entwined and, and hard to distinguish, really. That's what I mean by so-called real world. But definitely, there's a need for crypto to break out of the bubble. And this is definitely one way to do it. I mean, everyone has a phone. Everyone wants to go to New York and hang out in a store and you know use one of these things. So I think it's a good way of kind of crossing a Rubicon here in the same way that Apple, you know, a few years ago, a decade ago, put these stores in the middle of New York and everywhere else. And everyone said, well, this is an expensive kind of boondoggle, but they've proven to be very important for driving the kind of Apple brand. And I, I could see something similar happening with this Solana project where, you know, you, you want to get beyond those kind of true believers of Solana and break out into the kind of mainstream. And, and you really need to have a physical presence in order to do that. Kind of makes sense. And I kind of agree with you that it's both a clever use of the Solana resource mountain that they've accumulated over the last few months and also maybe a huge waste of money but we'll see what good idea doesn't start as a huge waste of money right <laughs> that's right i think they can certainly afford to play around and you know it's to be applauded when people are really trying to break out of that bubble and move into the so-called mainstream because it's very easy to play with a few sort of true believers and never really actually reach that core audience the one thing that i'm wondering about is like this idea of self-custody right i kind of agree with anatoly that crypto without self-custody isn't crypto Right. Really, that's it. That's the end of the statement. If you're going to be your own bank, you can't loan it to Celsius. Because <laughs> if you do, and Celsius goes kaput, you're fucked. Pardon my French, but it's true. You can't really square the circle of crypto and the be your own bank and also be giving your crypto to anyone other than yourself. And so having a device that lets you have that abilities really integrated with the rest of your online mobile identity is very compelling. I guess I'm a rather forgetful person. The idea of losing my phone becomes even scarier if you have $10,000 in crypto on it, because if you lose that device, it's with your phone. You can't get it back. But I guess the solution is not to lose your phone. So yeah. you can't really solve for that other than to just not be an idiot. So yeah. it might be a personal problem. 
I do think there's something special about the phone in terms of people's thought landscape and there's something much more personal about having crypto on your device that you're looking at to your dating apps and your other apps and all the other apps. And if crypto is part of that in this self-custody system, then that's a pretty kind of tangible way of experiencing crypto in a way that going on Coinbase or having a separate cold wallet is maybe not. So I do feel this is kind of a way of reaching the mainstream and crossing that Rubicon again. Yeah, and I don't know if this phone, at least at the outset, is going to be some device that will reach out to the mainstream. Anatoly seems to think it will be. I don't think it is, but I also think that it's not really the point. I think that this is the first attempt by Solana, not by crypto in general, but this is the first attempt by Solana. It's the proof of concept. We want to see, does this work and does it work for the people who know how to use it most? And if it works for those people, then maybe you can start to break through to other audiences. But most users of crypto, because most people haven't been around for a very long time in crypto, a lot of them don't even know what self-custody is. They don't move their assets off of Coinbase, off of FTX, or off wherever, because they don't need to. They just buy and hold. That is what their use case is, so it's not like it's a problem. But for those people, there is no definite need for a mobile phone. And the challenge that Solana and really anyone trying to do this is going to run into is how do you convince these audiences that self-custody is one, relevant, and two, something worth having on your phone? A lot of Rubicons across, in my opinion. Yep, absolutely. Well, I think this is going to be one part of the crypto industry that's going to be heavily observed and watched because the implications are pretty big. So we'll definitely be watching this space, as they say. Danny Nelson, thanks for being Danny Nelson and thanks for hosting today. And we're going to wrap this up now. I'm Ben Schiller and this was Opinionated. Thanks very much for listening.